0: Well, we've already uh, highlighted one of our values this morning, that being global service. Both globally and locally, we have the privilege of engaging with the opportunities that God puts in front of us to serve and to be a demonstration of His love uh, to the world. One of our other values is transformational truth, and that is that God's truth, as it takes root in our hearts, transforms us and transforms our lives, transforms our thinking, transforms those areas of our lives that we sang about that are uh, broken places and broken pieces into places of wholeness by His mercy and by His grace. And so we want to give opportunity on a regular basis, for you to hear stories of God's work of transformation in people's lives and hearts. And so I'm going to invite Wally and Sylvia Nickel to come. Uh, If you've been uh, tracking with us over the course of uh, the last little while, we've been uh, describing and talking to you about our process of uh, searching for and uh, hiring a senior associate pastor And so uh, Wally has uh, been hired and will begin with us on uh, April the 12th. And so uh, we uh, want to celebrate that. And uh, so we wanted to take opportunity this morning for you to get to know Wally and Sylvia and to hear their story. Because many of us have heard it through the course of interviews, uh, both at the search team level, with the staff, with the elders... And so we want to uh, allow you to hear their story as well here this morning as a way of not only getting to know them, but also them uh, giving honor and praise and testifying to the good work that God has done in their lives and continues to do. And so uh, why don't you guys just have a seat here and uh, just continue to take us through your story. And really, it's a story of God's goodness and faithfulness as it's been evidenced through your lives. And so let's uh, open our hearts and our ears to receive that which God would share to us this morning uh, through Wally and Sylvia.
1: Thanks, Brad. Good morning. Uh, um, that last song, Amazing Grace, I think is a great segue uh, into what we want to talk about. And, and we hope that as, we, as you hear our stories that you're going to hear and recognize that theme of God's grace weaving throughout our entire lives. It's, uh, it's what's brought us here. And uh, we're thankful for it. Uh, because Sylvia's story began before my story.
2: <laughs> He's saying that I'm older. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll let her start.
2: Um, we just wanted to sit here and have a little coffee with you. And so we thought we'd sit and do a little cafe but <laughs> and tell our stories. Um, Colossians three sixteen a states, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And in the past few years, I've been drawn closer to God In this way, I grew up in a solid Christian home where three of my uncles were pastors and family reunions were more like worship services. I accepted Christ into my heart at the age of eight at Pike Lake Bible Camp in Saskatchewan. Um, Tears overwhelmed me as I felt the Holy Spirit do a work in my heart after receiving an open invitation to accept Christ by a missionary speaker. I was then baptized at the age of 18 after a few struggles and rebelliousness that started when um, a physical violation was committed against me. Despite my desire to remain in Christ, my faith took some rocky turns in my teens and 20s. During these years, I faced deep suffering when three people close to me passed away within a short period of time. I lost my father, my best friend, and my grandmother. In addition, I wrestled through a failed marriage— and resulting financial struggles with a husband who professed to be a Christian, yet was unable to remain faithful. Romans five sixty eight says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I had to come to terms with my own sins and issues in my life that were still holding me back from making the right decisions, such as who to marry, how to live my life, and how to live for God. The pain was so great from the past that I didn't feel worthy of living a rich, godly life. It was then that my pastor in Calgary at the time, Ron Taves, was very instrumental in listening to the Holy Spirit when he asked just the right question at the right time for me to disclose what had happened in my youth. After significant prayer from my six personal uh, church prayer team members that he had arranged, a foundation of understanding and, and teachings from my youth and a solid restorative process through counseling, God brought me to my knees in order for me to receive such a complete grace that I could never be the same person again. And even though on the outside it took time for me to follow through on the transformation, on the inside I made great strides in my prayer and spiritual life. And with a heart full of gratitude, I couldn't get enough of reading God's word and reflecting on his majesty. These were formative events that brought me into a deeper relationship with God, where he showed his faithfulness. And with the help of God and a compassionate pastor, I had turned my life around.
1: Joel 2.13 says that uh, if we return to the Lord it says return to the Lord your God for he's merciful and compassionate slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. In Isaiah 30 uh, the prophet says so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion for he's a faithful God. Those are the kinds of things that Sylvia is describing in her life, and, uh, and I too had some significant um, barriers, some significant hurdles to overcome from when I was a kid. Uh, at the age of seven, uh, I encountered uh, some, well, I was abducted and encountered some physical uh, violation in the midst of that, and I liken it to a lightning strike on a tree. Jared's going to show us A few pictures of some trees. And what happens to a tree when lightning strikes it? Just keep rolling through them, the first five, Jared. You can see that the tree was designed and birthed to grow in one direction, and when lightning struck, it radically changed and moved in a different direction. When sin hits our our lives, when evil enters in, uh, like it did for Sylvia at a young age, like it did for me at a young age, you're growing in one direction and all of a sudden you're doing this. And uh, you, can, you can go back to the Jericho s- sign. It reorients, it changes your direction. And so for me at the age of seven, uh, that took place. Just out riding bike with a friend in the neighborhood, normal day. Uh, We happened to be on a construction lot. We were in a new subdivision area um, where we had just moved in. And a man came up, and so that would have been in the 70s. At that time, he just told us, hey, you guys aren't allowed to be here. You need to come with me. You're in trouble. Age seven, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. We better go. And away we went, and, uh, and he had us. And he had us for a couple hours, and we were fortunate. He let us go. The last thing he said to us, though, is, um, I'll let you go if you promise never to tell anybody that this ever happened. As we were riding home, our bikes, um, I remember a very stark moment when I realized I can never, never tell anybody this. And I said that to Mike, my friend. I said, we can never tell anybody about this. And so we went home, and I never told anybody about it. I walked in the door. Uh, I got in trouble for being late, and that felt good. It felt normal, and we went along. And life moved forward. Uh, My mom went through a, a, a serious illness that almost took her. A few years later, my dad ended up dying on the hospital table, on the hospital operating room, um, came back to life. The doctors came out, said, hey, just so you guys know, we had pronounced him dead. We had nothing to do with this, but he's back, um, and, uh, <laughs> and we were thankful, um, and it was through those events that I also had opportunity to bury my event even further as a kid, because there was no room in our family for what I had gone through. Mom had almost died. Dad had almost died. Dad did die. Uh, and uh, and my thing was just better off being buried, buried, buried. And I became so good at not telling anybody that the medical term is clinically disassociated. In other words, I didn't believe that what really happened to me actually happened to me. And I never told any about, anybody about it. Um, and so life went on in that mode. Now, through those life and death experiences of my parents... Jesus entered into our household. Uh, My dad had a very vivid um, time uh, when he was uh, in the hospital, uh, when he was uh, out and being operated on and all that kind of stuff. He came back and said uh, to to us that uh, he could see clearly that there was a battle going on for his soul in the spiritual realm. And both him and my mom gave their lives to to Jesus. And I would have been about 13 then. And so I began to see the transformation in our house of what happens when Jesus enters into the house and into the family life. And shortly thereafter, um, I became a Christian. But I'm going to swing it back to Sylvia.
2: God offers us peace and hope despite our circumstances if we allow him in the inner place of pain and injustice to receive the grace that he offers us. Romans 5, 1-3 to states, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in In our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. After this spiritual uh, transformation, I accepted volunteer positions with several organizations, including MCC, and became involved in my home church as a young adult leader, during this time, I continued to grow, and I saw the face of God in a homeless man. Mother Teresa always used to say, I see the face of Christ in everyone I meet. And while that day, I literally saw the face of Christ in, the home, in this homeless man. A gaunt, starving, destitute homeless man started pawing at me when I went to for groceries one evening. His bold advances scared me so badly, I ran to the store without giving him anything. However, God placed it in my heart that I desperately needed to feed him. I was thinking to myself, "What kind of a person am I that I wouldn't feed this man? He's obviously starving." And When I picked up the groceries, I tried to find him, and he had left. I looked everywhere. Then I frantically felt I had to feed someone homeless, and I found th- so I found the man in the dumpster that I saw every day near my work, and left the food in his cart when he wouldn't respond. The next morning, from my condo with the city view, this was in Calgary, I saw the same man literally skipping down along the street, pushing his cart with his head held high, no doubt heading to the bridge to share his newfound food with his friends, and I could see it was the same food bag that I had left there, so I knew it was him. It occurred to me that this man was the same man that I had seen every morning slumbering along. With his head hanging so low as if he had no reason to live. It sparked in me a deep passion. And sorry, God had just shown me the effect that one small gesture can have on one person's life. And it sparked in me a deep passion to work with the poor and the oppressed. I started doing crazy things like taking drug addicts on the street for dinner and listening to their stories. I gave the homeless rides to the food lineups when they were too crippled to make it in time, even when my car reeked afterwards. I worked hard to give control of my life to Christ and stop trying to contain the Holy Spirit. It was then that I was prompted to, make a, to take a more in-depth learning at seminary, but I kept saying I wasn't worthy to God for almost two years. But God, he was just relentless, so... I promised him I'd take one class during my three weeks of holidays down in California. A Greek class, if you can believe it. (laughs) And while I was there, I heard the voice of God loud and clear, letting me know that this was the seminary I needed to be at. I returned home to process these feelings with my pastor at the time and found that I couldn't shake this call on my life. In view of that, I sold my townhouse in eight days, received an unheard of three years leave of absence when I'd only worked for the company for two and a half years, took my visa the morning it arrived in the mailbox, the day I was leaving, and departed for California with the most incredible sense of peace I've had in years. About ten things happened that I could not possibly be that could not possibly be coincidence, which allowed me to attend seminary within weeks. I didn't even lose sleep over not receiving my visa until I was uh, packed and driving out the driveway on the way to California.
1: Um, while Sylvia is living in Calgary and rediscovering Jesus in a new way, I'm discovering Jesus for the first time in Vancouver. Uh, I'm in my later teens now. Uh, my, uh, the way God orchestrated it, my high school friends also happened to go to the same church that my parents were now going to. And so when they invited me and I would come home and say, yeah, they, you know, Peter or, or Roy or somebody's invited me to this thing at this church, and they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be a good thing to go to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so I was welcomed into the church, and I'm one of those people who belonged before I believed. Somewhere along the way, uh, much like that Road to Emmaus story that we have in, in the Gospels, uh, I came to the realization that, yeah, I do believe in this Jesus, and I do want to follow him, and I do want to be a part of this entity he calls the church. And, uh, and so that was a significant turning point in my late teens, to the, so much so to the point that I decided at uh, graduation that I wasn't going to go to BCIT for broadcast journalism. I was going to go to Bible school, which a friend had invited me to, uh, basically uh, the week before the uh, Labor Day long weekend. I said, hey! I'm going to Bible school. Do you want to come? And I'm like, what's Bible school? And he says, well, we do this and this and this. And, and of course, it was all fun. And it was all going to be good. And so I went home again and said, Mom, Dad, uh, you know, is this a o- good option? For-? And they're like, yeah, that's a good option for you. <laughs> so, uh, so off off to uh, Kelowna, to Okanagan Bible College, um, where in my first year, uh, I thought I'll go for a year. And then I'll go back to BC, And then I'll re-enroll in, in BCIT and, uh, and go through that life path, but in my first semester, first year Bible school, uh, just sensed very clearly God saying, I'm calling you to pastoral ministry, you're going to be here four years, get used to it, settle in, enjoy the ride, and away we went, and that's largely what happened. Came out of there, um, and uh, came back to my home church in Vancouver, and got called into the pastorate there, and and pastored there for uh, uh, a, a nice season of time and uh, and then sensed God stirring and decided it was time to go back to school. And so eventually started here at Axe in Langley, and then eventually transferred down to seminary in Fresno, California.
2: And while in seminary, I met my amazing husband, and we took on another difficult journey. Not only did we struggle for years in our marriage, but but also with infertility. Our Restoration process started with fervent prayer and applying what we learned in our conflict mediation class to our marriage in terms of forgiveness and reconciliation. We actually used to um, actually fight during the class and pass notes to each other. <laughs> so bad.
1: There was many things she needed to hear <laughs> from the professor at that time.
2: Our restoration. Um, <laughs> Most of our struggle resulted in us being, from us being completely opposites in every way, or so we were told by our premarital counselor. He also maintained that we had to be exceptional in communication for our marriage to survive. Then we found out that we had a 1% to 2% chance of bearing children, and that hit us very hard as it was a huge desire in our hearts. So during this journey, we had friends approach us with a niece looking for a home for her child. This adoption fell through the day before Thanksgiving, and the whole family shared our sadness as we walked into the family gathering without a child. Knowing this child was going to grandparents where there was alcoholism made it even more heartbreaking for us. It felt like we had miscarried as we had already given our hearts to this child. Not surprisingly, God was faithful and brought, provided us with a son in the most amazing way. We held Joel when he was an hour old, and it was an incredible blessing. At, at a year, we decided to adopt again and had yet another adoption fall through three months later.
1: So we should just say that at this time, we're not in Fresno anymore. We're back up here, uh, and and we have met Brad and Meg at North Langley already and been involved there. Now... During this time, we're at Murrayville pastoring
0: Mm
1: -hmm. when we adopted Joel and and Savannah. And And when we were done at Murrayville, we ended up here. Well, not here, but in RE Secondary. And uh, Pastor Brad uh, dedicated Savannah for us. Mm
2: So God was faithful and provided us with Savannah in the most amazing way as well. And we adopted two children domestically in 20 months, which is totally unheard of. They told us when we went to adopt that we probably should think about a foreign adoption because the likelihood of us being, it's not if you can adopt domestically, it's not when you can adopt domestically, it's if you can actually adopt. And yet here God was so faithful and gave us, Two children within 20 months. Like, it's just amazing. And as we relished in the blessing of having the most incredible kids, another character building experience occurred for us. Our son was diagnosed with ADHD, which means there's a physical dead zone in his brain where other parts of the brain try to compensate for but are unable to. So that along with other comorbidity factors and areas of giftedness led to chaos in our house. We didn't know how to deal with this. So along, um, so imagine when you never know you'll be awakened to the, your son pounding on you as hard as he can just to say good morning. Or um, repeating each step of everything over and over and over at a, at a five-year-old level. Or having a child scream every time they go in and out of water because of the temperature change and not knowing why, right? So it's, it's a real struggle to watch kids go through that and also the experience from, it takes a toll on your emotional, spiritual, physical and mental well-being, not to mention your marriage. So thankfully, God walked along us the whole time because over 80% of marriages with special needs kids end in divorce, He brought people alongside us in unexpected ways so that we received the most help that anyone that I've ever encountered to date. Our son is living proof of how early intervention and accepting Christ into your heart at a young age can profoundly affect your life. He's turned into an amazing kid who can do amazing things.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I was lost in how great my son was. (laughs) He's back there with Jared. Um, Joel also had another significant role in our lives Uh, as Joel hit the age of about seven uh, things began to unravel for me which if you take some counseling or psych you you begin to, there there is a connection there can be a connection when your kids go through ages that had significant things when you went through and so ministry was going well Uh, we were at uh, Living Hope in North Surrey, pastoring, um, but inside, I was unraveling, and didn't really understand, didn't know why, but I do remember on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, having to finish breakfast, doing dishes, um, our prenuptial agreement, by the way, is Sylvia cooks, because she's a good cook, I do the dishes, because I'm a good,
2: it's a verbal prenuptial,
1: yeah, <laughs> so I was, I was doing the dishes in the kitchen, uh, and I just turned to her, and I said, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, you can't do what? I said, this. I don't know. I just can't do it. And it began to unravel for me. And it began an incredible process um, of unpacking and peeling away layer after layer after layer to come to the place where I began to recognize God's grace uh, in my life. Up until that point in my life, the culmination of that process of when Joel was around seven and and the years that came after it, um, I'd never experienced grace. Uh, We had pastored for, uh, well, I mean, I had pastored for many years. Uh, We'd pastored together. I had talked about grace. I preached about grace. I taught it at Bible schools, uh, all that. But I personally had never felt like, you know, what's this elusive, you know, Philip Yancey's What's So Amazing About Grace? I didn't know. I read all about, but I didn't know. And God took me through this process of peeling away layers and layers and layers until one day I had the opportunity to, with with the help of a counselor, realize, oh, this event that happened in my life at age seven actually happened. And it had significant repercussions. Now, I was still successful in life. I still was was healthy and uh, all those things. But inside, personally, there was a part of me that was completely disconnected. And God was saying, I want to reach into that place. I want to take that place and fill it with grace. That place that you have found empty, that has been elusive, all those things that you've never understood, that for a long time, and Brad can attest to this because we were in a men's accountability group for many years, and he never knew that I'd experienced that at age seven. I'd never told anybody. Sylvia was the first person I ever told. God, I'm going to enter into that place. If you remember those pictures of the tree with the lightning strike and how it reorients, it doesn't usually kill the tree. Sometimes it does. The tree continues to grow. It continues to produce. It does all those things. But it's never what it was intended to be. Jared, if you go to that last picture keep going, keep going, that one. There was an empty void in that squiggle in my life. And in, the, in that process of counseling and searching and unraveling and all that stuff, that image was brought to me. And it finally clicked. And I realized, oh, there's nothing I can do to fill that place. There's nothing I can do to undo that. There's nothing I can do to cover it up. There's nothing I can do to make it right or make it like it never happened. But somebody can. Somebody who hung on a cross, and if you look closely, if you haven't seen it already, there's a a stark image in the middle of that tree. And even though my life went like this, Jesus said that's okay. I can fill that void. I can enter into that place of suffering. I can enter into that place that you never wanted to be there, that you never asked for. I died on the cross for that place. And for the first time ever in my life, grace. And I knew, I I, I came out of, uh, I I walked out on the street that day, and I thought, Philip, Yancey, I finally get it. I finally know what's so amazing about grace. I get it. And it had changed my life um,
2: yeah <laughs> you wanna? Sorry. and it 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 flowed through you could just see the transformation from the inside um- because he was just different after that and and he was just um just way less anxiety you know, and just to the point of um where he was like. Ha- you know everything you know don't worry about it you know god will take care of that and you know we, he was just relaxed less worry less it it really changed our in our whole family and it was just amazing to to see him go through that trans transformation and and it just blessed us so much
1: i think i think maybe the the uh, the best analogy or the best word pictures to use is it took me from a performance based lifestyle where i thought that it was up to me to do well. I thought it was up to me to perform, and it was up to, so much depended on me, as a, be it a pastor, or a dad, or a husband, or whatever, and um, so I had these, uh, this lifelong battle with ego, and with fear, and with control, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, I'm a detail guy, I'm all the things that, um, that can be good, but when taken to an extreme, are very unhealthy, And in that moment, I realized that God calls us to a spirit-filled life. Not a performance-based life, not a whatever you want to put in that fill. He calls us to a spirit-filled life. And it unleashes his grace in even greater ways. It unleashes his power and his mercy. Uh, This is a fantastic book. I'm sure Brad's never pushed a book from up front here. Um, The Deeper Journey... Uh, I, I'd say you can borrow this one, but it's so marked up that it might not do you. Yeah, it might not do you any good. But uh, yeah, as one of our profs in seminary would say, this one's worth selling your bed for. Um, but it just talks about that. What is that when we're living out of this false self that the world re- often rewards us for, that the world often uh, gives us uh, raises for or promotions for, that the world says well, that's what we want out of you because you produce so much more and you're so much more. Efficient. When we lay that down and say, no, 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 spirit-filled, grace-filled. When we begin to live out of that place, uh, Romans Romans, uh, 8, Therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In the Corinthians, Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And that's the season we're in now. We're experiencing freedom. We're experiencing grace in a way that is uh, that is tremendous and, and blessing. And and uh, it's also been part of the process, I think, that's brought us to a place like Jericho Ridge. Uh, we've had a great uh, few years at Coast Hills uh, where I wasn't in a pastoral role so much. And I just got to have this time of uh, unraveling and healing and all that kind of stuff. And now we're just excited about what God's going to do.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's really amazing what God's taken us through. And I think uh, he took us through some of, or allowed that to happen, you know, for a reason. And I think that through that, um, hopefully we can bless your lives as well. Because there's nothing that would shock us if you came to us with it. <laughs> there's nothing that would, um, uh, that we most of it we've probably experienced. And so if you ever want to talk to us about anything that you've experienced, we are totally open to that. And I think if you want to ask us any questions, even now we're open to that.
1: Hush over the crowd.
2: (laughs) We... We uh, decided a long time ago. I think when I, I guess when we were going through the infertility, um, we decided to live our lives as an open book, and we purposely did that so that in community, so that we would be surrounded by people. And we had friends that didn't do that, and they suffered in that pain for so many years without even telling us who had been through it, and. And it wasn't until they finally shared it that that things happened for them, that they experienced that grace as well. And I and if there's anything that you ever want to share with us, we're we're just open to to hearing and we're willing to share from our us and anything that we've experienced because we try to live our life that way.
0: Well, one of the things that uh, we want to practice in community is just uh, spending time uh, listening not only to people's stories, but listening to the Lord. And so um, what I'd like for us to do as we wrap up our time together this morning is let's just take a few minutes and actually just listen and see if there's anything that the Lord puts on your heart uh, that you want to reflect back to Wally and Sylvia maybe words of affirmation, words of blessing, a scripture passage, something that God would bring uh, to your mind. And uh, then if that is the case, then just stick your hand up, and then I'll come with the microphone, and you can reflect that back out. And then as we near the end of that time, uh, then I'll just ask uh, for Meg to pray and uh, pray for you guys as well uh, and welcome you here at Jericho. All right, so let's just take a few minutes to listen and then... Make sure you stick your hand up clearly at any time so I can come with the microphone.
1: Yeah, I uh, just wanted to say thanks, Wally and Sylvia, both for uh, being available, being transparent. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of people. Everybody has baggage different levels of baggage but it's still baggage and uh when it's internalized i know that uh there's n- you don't
3: you don't get that chance to heal and and f- receive the grace that you talk about so thank you for that and i noticed uh i knew you also for a while back way back when not only did you have an internal change but some of you have had an external change as well and and, and i and i'm going to try your secret on that one <laughs>
0: hi i'm john you'll meet me thank you so much for sharing and uh those who are following along with the bookmarks as i project 345 just read through romans 5 so thank you so much for giving context uh with your lives and how um how our faith builds that endurance and that endurance builds that hope and uh and also just the last part i was just reading it um he has given us the holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love i just know that um Yeah, it was just so encouraging for me to just go back and read this again in context of hearing your story and and, uh, think about the the pain in my own life and how his Holy Spirit has filled me up so much and uh, and to hear from you guys as well. Julia. (laughs) Make you run all over the place. Um there are a few times in my church life that I have felt God's peace the moment you guys started talking was one of them and it's wonderful to have you here and I look so much forward to meeting you and my husband meeting you and now my son needs me but um I'm just so excited you're here (laughs)
3: We're Sandy and Muriel, and um, just the way you shared yourselves so openly and fearlessly, because you've been through things, uh, enables us to see that we can come to you, and uh, that that's a great thing. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my fortress, and uh, so we stand on that with you. God bless you, folks. As a member of the search committee who went through all the interviews and seeing what we felt God calling us to and towards, at the end, as I mentioned uh, in one of our reports, we had two candidates that were very technically would do the good job, and they both had good stories, but the story of Wally and Sylvia, in my mind, is what sort of made me lean towards this as much as Wally's technical expertise, which we haven't talked about today, which Brad will greatly appreciate, hence all of us will appreciate, Um, uh, Wally will bring that to the table and work behind the scenes, but it was the story of their journey and where they are now, and uh, that's what in my mind and my heart leaned us towards, offering them a call to ministry here. And so I just want to encourage you that you cannot shout grace uh loud enough and long enough because we get carried away with everything else and that's the key to uh a full contented life and we need to hear that more and more so don't stop.
0: All right. Well, why don't we have uh, you guys come on down into the uh, middle here and why don't we have uh, let's just stick you somewhere in the middle here. Let's just kind of uh, stand, and you can either stretch out your hand toward Wally and Sylvia. as just move some of the furniture. Um, and Mike, if you can just kick some of those chairs out of the way, that'd be great. And then if you'd like to come and just lay hands on Wally and Sylvia and just receive um, James, the book of James talks about uh, us receiving uh, all good gifts from the Lord. And so just as a, as a faith community, we want to actually receive you guys and welcome you here uh, as a family uh, into the Jericho Ridges community. And so I just ask Meg to lead us in a word of prayer. So if you want to gather around Wally and Sylvia and lay hands on them, you can do that. Uh, or you can just stay where you are and stretch out your hands uh, towards them. So this is just a sign of our receiving God's good gifts that he's given to us.
4: God, we're so um, thankful today for your grace, and um, I'm so blessed by your faithfulness um, evidence in this couple and their kids. Lord, and I I had a picture of a puzzle when we were praying, and just um, similar to the, the lightning rod where we're never the same, and what we need, we don't even know we need. We need your grace, Lord, and I just want to, my heart is full of, of just thanksgiving, God, that you've been faithful to this church body, because this puzzle piece that we need, God, you're bringing, and... Um, and the stories that are coming out of them, um, Lord, will only make us richer and stronger. So we give you praise for that, for being a, a good God, a faithful God to our church body, Lord, that you love us and and you know what we need in the future, Lord. I I pray specifically for Wally and Sylvia as they finish up at Coast Hills, Lord. Would you give them lots of grace, lots of great connection? I pray for that church body as they discern what to do with this vacancy of this great couple, Lord. Would you bless them for releasing them to us um lord way we open our arms really wide to this family that they would feel um warm and invited in like longtime friends lord um yeah i pray for their kids too just for those transitions too would you be gracious and kind to them and and have them excited um give wally a bit of rest before he comes back to us lord and um yeah we just thank you um we just thank you for their sweet return um yeah may we steward them really well lord as a gift um only from you, and and we are grateful today for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Right on. Well, thanks, everybody. We want to encourage you to continue to uh, stick around and talk to Wally and Sylvia if you'd like, about any part of their story and their journey. And, uh, hey, we've already started to move the furniture, so if you want to help Sachi and the team stack the chairs, that'd be great too. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next weekend in building. Thank you. We'll see you there.